Welcome to the Local Service Podcast. This is Caesar Gill here, uh, and we are in the new office here in Post Houston. And the new uh, space is going to be interesting because there's many rooms we can pick up pick up from. But anyways, let's get into the episode. So in this episode, I'm going to talk about the most common questions uh, I get for Google Ads, web design, SEO, and I have a list of questions here that came from clients. And then I got some from uh, Jasper, which is an AI tool to pull some more questions from. So that is what this episode is going to be about. It's episode 32, FAQ on web design, Google ads, and SEO. So number one, Google ads versus Facebook ads. So this is a super common one because whenever people come to us, a local service business comes to Symphony Advertising, my company, um, they want to know, okay, well, we know Google ads are good, but we know meta ads are good too. How do we pick which one we want to do? And so typically, I almost always recommend doing Google ads first, and I usually recommend doing 100% of the budget on Google ads if the goal is to get a, if the goal is to generate new leads from the internet. And the reason why is because Google Ads has something called search intent. Whenever somebody looks for a service, let's say it's roofer near me, roof repair near me, the person who's making that search is literally trying to find somebody to help them fix that issue. Whereas with meta ads, you can can say, uh, you know, Facebook, Instagram, you can include TikTok in here. What happens here is it's more of a commercial. It's more of a push broadcast where someone might be, hanging out at a waiting room. Someone might be at work. Someone might be at home on their bed and they're scrolling through TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, and then they see your ad. So the likelihood of somebody taking action at that point is much lower, even if they need the service. Even if, for example, let's say it's a dental ad. Let's say their tooth has been hurting for weeks. Like it might be that they'll say like, you know what? I really should schedule an appointment now that I see this ad, but they're not in that buying mode or in that contacting mode. And so- Typically, I'll always say Google Ads is uh, the better route to go for local service-based businesses. If you're selling a product, if you're selling some kind of educative thing, that's different. But when it comes to local services, I believe Google Ads is going to be the better place and it's going to be the 100% of where your budget goes. Um, with that being said, though, we have ran many tests with Facebook ads, Instagram ads, TikTok ads. And if I were to see an example of where it is more advantageous for a local service-based business to go more down that route, like put more budget there, um, because usually it's a secondary campaign for us. It's not the priority. But I just haven't seen a successful campaign in, like so successful that you deem it over the other in like years to be like fully transparent. Now, I will also say that Facebook ads because it's a creative process, because it involves video, because it involves storytelling, because it involves placement and and leading people down a certain path, I would say they're also much more difficult to do. With with Google ads, you use just text. You're just combining the person searching for something to the person who can solve that problem. Facebook ads is like making a little mini documentary or mini mini commercial. It's like, why should someone take action with this video or this image? And I think there's a lot of ads out there that are more like Google ads. They're just more saying, we're located here. Here's what we can do. Call us. We can help. Where in reality, for a good Facebook or Instagram or TikTok ad, it's like frequency. You got to have a lot of it. And then it has to be well done. And so 
I'm sure there are other ways of doing it, but if you're comparing local service ads, uh, Google ads, Facebook ads, my answer is going to be Google ads. That's question number one. Question number two that I got from a client literally this morning. Uh, this morning, the client goes, uh, do Google reviews matter? And this is a customer that doesn't have a Google profile page. Um, they, they've been in business for a while, but uh, they want to expand a little bit further. So they contacted us to do their website do the, and to do their SEO. And it's interesting because the client is saying like, hey, I've been sending messages out to my customers and even offering them a small discount in order to get these Google reviews. But I feel like I'm bothering them. I feel like I don't really know if it's going to be helpful or not. Like, why should I keep doing it? And so my response is the more Google reviews you have, the better visibility and the more credibility you get from people searching for your service. Meaning if there are three companies that look identical on paper, one has 20 reviews, one has 100 and one has seven, just pure human nature is going to say, okay, well, that one has 100 five-star reviews. I'm going to go with that one. Now, it's funny because the 100 review one might be more uh, costly. They might be more busy, whereas a seven one, they can get you in today. Uh, so there's always pros and cons to that, but having more reviews with more people saying, yes, they did a good job. They handled my problem. They were great to work with, easy to work with. It's always going to be a benefit. And on that same token, it's important to have a, a good um, strategy, not even strategy. It's just like a good process. So to his point, the customer's point, yeah, you shouldn't bug them every day. Like, hey, can you leave me a review? Can you leave me a review? I think once you know a customer satisfied with the job or service, you say, hey, if you liked our services, please leave us a review. And then in a couple of days, follow up one time and then leave it at that. Like if they didn't leave a review, it's okay. <laughs> uh, as long as you're getting customers on a, weekly, monthly, daily basis, you should be able to get reviews over time. And I've spoken to many people, including myself, in my own experience, where the more reviews they got, the easier it was to get customers online. It's just part of the process. So that's the human process, by the way. That's the human side. On Google side, there is something going into that algorithm as well, because imagine there's two Google profiles. One Google profile has not been updated or interacted with or has had a new Google review in two years. There's another Google review that gets one review per month. They update their photos every three months and they update their hours and their phone number and their website on a monthly basis, let's say, where applicable. Well, then it's Google is going to say, okay, well, why should we show this non-active two-month, two-year-old Google profile when clearly this one is solving the problem for the people that are looking for that service. So Google is just trying to show the best result possible. And by you being active and having the reviews and being interactive with the page, uh, it solves that issue. So do Google reviews matter? Yes. Are they hard to get? Kind of, you know, it's a slow process, but overall I would say it's worth the, it's worth the effort. All right, Wix versus WordPress. So this one's uh, interesting. This is an interesting question only because I think it's a weird answer. So whenever people say like, hey, I'm on Wix, but you know, I've noticed that everybody who has a WordPress site, WordPress site, they have better SEO, or it performs better, um, it looks better, looks cleaner. Um, you know, why is that? Like, can I keep my Wix site and, and not go to WordPress or do I have to go to WordPress to see improvements? And 
I don't really think it's a matter of that Wix isn't good or that WordPress is better. I don't really think it's that. I just think that the person who is more experienced is more likely going to use WordPress than they are going to use Wix. Just because WordPress allows you to do so much more than a lot of these uh, builders do. So like Wix, Squarespace, uh, Weebly, Webflow. Like they're all great and they can all do pretty much everything just like WordPress can. It's just that there's going to be more experienced people on the WordPress side than there is on the Wix side. And for that reason, that is why WordPress sites tend to do better. It's because the people who build the WordPress sites just have more experience or have spent more time on the site. And uh, I don't think there's necessarily a right or wrong answer. It's just what it's the jockey, right? It's the basketball player. You can give a basketball up to like 50 people. Only a few of them are going to be good with it. Uh, so it doesn't matter, but typically just whoever's more experienced in a certain uh, platform is going to do the better job. Yes, there's pros and cons, but to make it simple, it just depends on um, experience in my opinion. All right. Then I had a question come in from TikTok. By the way, check out Digital Groove where we put a bunch of education-based clips for seo google ads web design uh we're posting there a little bit more often so check that out on tiktok and instagram but here is one that came from tiktok where a person responded to a the facebook ads slash google ads question from earlier they asked how much does the lead cost for a realtor on google ads and that is i'm glad the person asked this question and i responded via video but that is a very difficult question to answer because like most things, the answer is it depends. It depends because, well, where are you located? How experienced are you? Are you just now getting started or have you been around for a while? So as an example, let's say Dunkin' Donuts opens a new restaurant down the street. For somebody to stop at that Dunkin' Donuts, it's like night and day. They're just going to, they, they can put open now between yesterday and today and people are going to go and buy donuts and coffee. It's not Dunkin' Donuts anymore. Side, 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 side thing. It's called Dunkin' because they don't want to be a donut place anymore. They want to sell more coffee because there's better margins on that. Back to the episode. Um, so Dunkin' has a brand name behind it. Everybody knows Dunkin'. People see the commercials. There's, uh, there's no need to explain Dunkin'. Whereas, let's say a Caesar's Gills donut shop opens up. That's going to be a lot more work. That's going to be like, okay, hey, we make good donuts. Well, what kind of donuts? We make regular donuts. Okay, well, why should I go to you instead of Dunkin'? How are you located? Like, is it convenient to drive to your donut place? Is it affordable? Is it more costly? Like, all these questions. When are you open? So all those things go into account when you're pricing how difficult it is for somebody to walk into that donut shop as the example. And so it's the same with Google ads for any industry. It's like, okay, yes, we can run them on Google ads, but is there brand behind it? Anytime, and then so here's another side question, side, uh, side note. It's like some of the best performing Google ads that happen are because in conjunction with the ads, they're running TV and radio and billboard and TikTok and Facebook. It's just... That's the final piece. It's like, oh, I saw the commercial 80 times. And so let me Google it because I don't remember the name or I don't remember. I don't know the site. Uh, that's one way of happening it. And then it could be comp competition based. Let's say you're the only realtor in your area. Well, guess what? If you just put realtor near me and you're like one of the only results, you're going to do a lot better than if you're in a super dense area with a thousand realtors and you look it up and you're one of the 
thousands of people that are available, it's just going to be pretty tough. One more note on this. But that doesn't mean it's not a good place to do it because because there's so many people in that area looking for those services, that means that the pool of customers is huge. Because we can go back to the example where if you're the only person in that town or city that is offering that service, well, maybe there's not that many people who want that service. That's why there's not that many providers for that service. And so it's not always good or bad to be the only person in town or be the one of many people in that town. It just depends. And then it's competition. It's like, how do you, how do you, what makes you different? Why would people you, you use you? And so that question, how much does a lead cost for a realtor? There's actually an answer. Commit to a couple months of running ads and find out. <laughs> and so uh, that's actually the answer, uh, which is the best way to go about it because once you spend the actual marketing dollars, once you run the actual campaigns and you figure out what the real problems are, because a lot of times the problem isn't that people aren't looking for your service. Sometimes it is. But then the problem is, okay, well, they clicked onto my site, but they didn't call. Well, why not? Oh, they called my my line, but they didn't schedule the consultation. Well, why not? And so there, it opens up a floodgate of like, okay, well, how do I improve from being on step one to step three out of this 10 step process, right? Until the deal is closed or till that person becomes a customer. And so hard to answer, best route is to try it out. Okay, so now we're gonna jump into the Google Ads uh, Jasper, which is an AI tool that we use. Uh, and I'm gonna, there's, there's 10 total, for one for one, five for Google Ads and five for web design, but I'm just gonna pick the good ones here. So number one, how do you create effective Google Ads campaign that convert? Again, that's an unreasonably good question, um, unreasonably hard question to answer uh, in a quick second. But if I had to give one sentence, how do you create effective Google Ads campaign that convert? You have to have the right keywords. You be you have to be targeting the right area. You have the you have to be consistent enough to allow them to work, and you have to be able to turn that click into a lead. So whether that's a phone call or a form submission, that is the Google Ads. If I had to put the highest level, like the right keywords, the right areas, convert. To keep it simple. Number two, what are some of the best practices to keyword research and optimization in Google Ads? So with keyword research, there's many ways you can go about this. We personally use SEM Rush. Uh, it's called the magic tool. And instead of like trying to figure out what people are looking for, you can find it pretty easily. And so the only problem is it costs a couple hundred bucks a month. Uh, but yeah, the, that's one way of doing it. You can also just use the Google auto suggest. You can also just go through Google and see what comes up when you make searches, but it's a little manual. Um, but that that's one way to get started. And then over time, as you get search term clicks, as you um, get feedback from customers, I always ask people like, so how did you find this company? Or what did you look up? And you'll be, you know, you get different answers. So it's worth asking, getting feedback from clients or just general people in general uh, is another way of doing it. Number three, what are some of the most common mistakes businesses make with their Google ads campaign. This is just the first idea that came into my head or first thought that came into my head, not saying this is the most common mistake. This is what I'm going to use for now is expecting Google ads to go from not getting leads on your website to getting 50 leads a month on your web, on, on your marketing, because it's, it is, 
it's not a magic tool. It's still marketing. It's still uh, a grind. It's still figuring it out. And sometimes people start Google ads thinking like, okay, once I run these, I'll be able to <laughs> buy a new car and uh, expect, you know, I'll hire five people and, you know, you jump the gun. So like having the right expectation, um, I think is a good uh, way to not mess up uh, Google ads, just like anything else, social media, take time. You could do flyers and say, do they work, do they not work? Like everything is about being consistent and improving on it over time. How do you monitor and adjust bidding strategies to maximize ROI in Google Ads? This one's super simple for local service-based businesses. When you spend $1,000 a month, are you getting a return more than $1,000? If the answer is yes, great. If the answer is no, you just gotta keep working on the campaign. And then you have to stretch it out over time. Like it can't just be every day, right? Like, okay, every day, did I make more money than I spent? Yes or no? Can't be that. It has to be over, you know, six months. Like, okay, for the six month period, are we up or are we down? And are you trending in the right direction or are you not trending in the right direction? Meaning, are we getting customers that that we want or are we getting more of the customers that we don't want? So these are very uh, specific questions to the business, but that's how I'm going to answer that one. And then lastly, how can you leverage how can you leverage machine learning and automation to optimize your Google Ads campaign? If you talk to any of the Google Ads reps, they're going to tell you, go maximize conversions, let uh, Google create the ads. They're literally going to say, be as hands-off as possible. But in my opinion, I have not seen those ads perform as well as having them be more manual. Like there's automation to it, no matter what. I mean, it's a it's a, it's a cost per click model. Like, of course, there's, there's going to be a lot of automation with it. But I have seen like, if you let the reins go, it kind of spirals and does its own thing. Whereas if you have some control over it, I would say like 50% control of it, it's a better mix. So I wouldn't even really recommend that. Okay, last segment here, web design. How do you design a website that is intuitive, user-friendly, and visually engaging? In my opinion, this just comes with experience. And for the most part, any, like let's say you start with a, a template or a theme, most of these are already gonna have that issue solved because you're buying, it's like when you buy a house, it's like the plan's already made. It's already, it's already the doors are there. The, the layout's there. You're not creating it from scratch. So for the most part, it should be good as it is. Minus the customizations and the coloring and how you want to set up that house, um, quote unquote. So experience and you should have a good kit with it. What are some of the best practices for website navigation and layout design? Again, most websites these days are generally the same. Like if you look at, we're talking about local services again. So Navigation is going to be your home about your services and then your specific service pages, um, a gallery or portfolio, uh, your a contact slash book now, and then perhaps like a location based page if you're doing SEO. And so that's the general layout. It, it you you don't want to be too innovative with your website because then it becomes confusing. Um, so yeah. Number three, how do you ensure that your website is optimized for search engine and has good technical SEO foundation? So with this, I I would take a much uh, better approach uh, to this question because the problem with SEO is that it's its own world. So there's a lot of overlap between, between web design and SEO. Like you almost have, and I've had this experience when I've worked with people, it's like I've hired SEO people, but they didn't know how to do web design. So it was really weird because... They would say, hey, um, 
here's what you need to put. Here's the tags you need to use. Here's the uh, descriptions you need to add. Here's the meta title you should use. But we can't do any of it. So here, can you add it? I just thought that was kind of weird. But uh, I would definitely learn the basics of on-page optimization, which is kind of general, to, to be honest. You want to have the right H1 tags. You want to have an SEO title. You want to have a meta description. Um, you want to have location-based uh, content. But it's not so easy. It's not so easy that you can just one sentence answer that one. Number four, what are some common mistakes businesses make in website design and development? Common mistakes. Well, when they hire us, they make the best uh, the best decisions. So that's not a mistake. Um, common mistake with businesses. Honestly, one of the biggest mistakes with websites is just not being kept up with your your domain. The amount of websites that have gone down because they didn't pay their domain, which is like 13 bucks a year, so like 15 bucks, 20 bucks at max. Um, you know, usually you forget to update the the credit card or, or you lose track of where that information is. And so I would say just keeping up with your information, like having where's the password, where, you know, what domain do I have? Uh, that's the easiest mistake that I see happen all the time. And it's quite, it's honestly quite frustrating because I'll get the call. Like, hey, Caesar, my website's down. Oh, Okay. But it has nothing to do with website. It has to do with, you know, paying your bills. <laughs> uh, all right, last one. How do you create a responsive web design that looks great on all devices? This is pretty tough. Um, it depends on the platform. So we use Elementor and WordPress. And so on that, it gives us the option of here's how it looks on desktop. Here's how it looks on mobile. Here's how it looks on tablet. But you can get crazy. You can say this is how it looks on mobile in landscape. Here's how it looks on mobile on portrait. And so, um, you know, depending right like depending if if you know if somebody were to pay us i don't know like a lot of money to make it sure it's mobile responsive to each device on all devices then sure okay i guess we'd spend the time making each specific um, sizing but for the most part all you have to do is get the desktop version right and the mobile version right and uh it's the same site but it's different um sizing so you have to build one on desktop and then make sure that on mobile it looks better I'm sorry, it looks right. But even though it's built on desktop, you should be thinking mobile first because I believe the stats like 80% of your traffic comes from mobile. I don't know what it, you know, it depends on on where and who and the timing and all that. But for sure, like people are checking on mobile more than they are on desktop. And so that is the common questions of today's episode 32 on the local service podcast if you have any questions or episodes you'd like to go over please let me know check us out on instagram youtube all the platforms uh spotify shopify and um yeah thank you so much